Alright, welcome to Sports Imitating Life, aka In The Field. I'm your host, Josh Ahern, and with me is Brian Compo. Hello, and welcome to the show. First one. That's right, it's a historic occasion. Uh, just to let everyone know, I'm in Sydney, and Brian is in Melbourne. That's right. Land of the now, MCG. The basic, that's right. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's moved down there to keep a closer eye on the AFL situation. Um, so the the basic premise of this show is that I, you know, for most of my life, I thought I was the person around me who knew most about sports in the whole world. Um, and I, until I met Brian, I never really, um, I don't know, I, I, I felt like I was just alone in my absolute, you know, like I've, I've just always memorized statistics and, you know, it's going to sound like we're, um, we're boasting here, but basically people have been telling you and I, Brian, that we have to do this show for a really long time. Yeah, that's right. Pretty much everyone we know from the yeah. day, from the day we met back at the, um, back at the pub at the Aurora. I kind of thought, you know, I never thought I would meet anyone who knew as much about Gaelic football as me about curling, you know, just Absolutely. to, I mean, usually Absolutely. you meet sports fanatics and they're usually like very specific, but I'm fanatical about almost every sport and you're the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and at times it's easy to, to, to forget that there's a whole range of people out there that feel the same as us. They're just hard to find at times. So here we are with this show, trying to amass the people to um, to help us out and to to contribute to this this wonderful world of sport. Yeah, and and it's also um, meant as a antidote to all the hack writers out there who, you know, are getting paid to just sort of regurgitate this bland information. Um, there's no real analysis. There's no real expertise. No, and I agree, when- and I think that. I think that they've been sending the wrong the wrong people to uh, to commentate on sports in certain times, and you know there are times when I'm watching the cricket and I think there's there's absolutely no sense in what this person's saying. This isn't this isn't mm. cricket at all. So it's yeah. it's it's good to see that we've uh, come up with this show, which is a focus on sports in the right way and well educated um, well educated perspective on on what's going yeah. on in the world of sports. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you know, newspaper is a, it's a it's dying anyway. It's a dying format, and everyone knows yeah. that podcasting is the future. That's so right. They can have they can have their dead tree columns. You know what I mean? We don't need that. We're here. Um, you know, people can connect directly with us, and you know, the whole idea is we're going to take you behind the headlines. You know, we're gonna we're gonna look at things and tell you what's really going on and you know maybe we'll say some stuff that you can't really say you know if you're employed by one of these mainstream you know hack publications absolutely uh so yeah we had a we had a bunch of different names uh lined up for this podcast we had in the field we had sports imitating life but i think um behind the player is really the best that's quite that representative idea, of our position. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, look, the one thing I'll say for sports imitating life is, um, 
you know, usually, or life imitating sports, whatever it was, usually that saying is life imitating art. Um, and, you know, there's been a little substitution there. And that, that just shows you how important sport is to us. I also think you know, it's... I also think it's a stance for us because I think that these days, especially in Australia, there's a bit too much focus on the arts from the government, too much money going into the arts and from the from the from the people as well. And I think it's good to be able to reclaim, reclaim the term life imitating sports. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, Thank you for that perspective. I I think, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of about time that um, that we. I mean, look, I don't, I don't want to make it seem like the arts and sport are um, oppositional. I don't think they are. I think that, I mean, I think sports comes first for me personally, and I think it should for the, the country. It definitely makes more money than the arts, I think. But, um, you know, that's not to say they can't coexist. Um, no, you know, I'm, you I'm all for like, equality. Um, you equality know, meat between loaf, sports and arts. You have meatloaf set at the at the grand final, and you know there's all these wonderful. And that's a beautiful um, match. That was a beautiful, occasions. beautiful match. Yeah, you have all these occasions where sport and art sort of interact and intertwine, and you know, in in really uh, pleasing ways. So anyway, at the beginning of the show, uh, I'd say that next week we'll have quite a bit of feedback, and we'll spend that the beginning of the show discussing that but i'd say um we don't have any it's our first show and i think i'm just going to jump straight into the into the news items what, what let's get say? into it all right yeah we, we picked a an auspicious week to start this podcast and i don't see any reason to <clears throat> delay um talking about the, the scandal that rocked the nation this week where you had uh, this ball tampering incident. Absolutely. Um, what a shame. Absolute shame look, for the game. That's right. It, it's, I mean, cricket's the loser in this, in this case. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think, I think cricket, the entire world of sports in general, I mean, that's just not how you play a game. That's not how you play sports. Just, just to give a bit of background... You had uh, one player in South Africa, um, you know, pull out some uh, yellow, and we'll come back to this colour, some yellow sandpaper to try and um, affect the ball in some way. And apparently these orders were issued by higher-ups on the team. And, you know, there's been 12-month suspensions issued today, which is not enough, in my opinion. I think, um, but, oh, uh, I mean, look, look, let's, let's just focus on that point for a second. I mean, that, this is a lot like um, back in uh, 1971, I believe, it was uh, Senator McGuinn who was arrested at, um, at the World Series for playing, uh, pardon me, for paying uh, Reginald Thompson to alter the game because he had bets on it. And I think that there are times when especially in the world of sports, money can be a very important thing. And some people make mistakes. And Reginald Thompson was forgiven for the game and went on to play a very good uh, rest of his life in sports. It was Senator, uh, Senator McGuinn who was arrested. And it's his problem, really. So I think it, we need to focus on the fact that maybe the players are um, 
are fallible and that needs to be that needs to be looked at and perhaps there's a bigger there's a bigger issue here it's what do you true think, Josh? we i mean we can't afford to be completely judgmental of people who are under intense pressure um and your example of reginald thompson is a very good one i mean uh you know i mean little known fact he he actually managed to transition from a very successful cricket career into a very successful lawn bowls career like towards the end of his life he, he that's was, right that's right he, he was an a, a consummate athlete till the very end that's and right. I even, think even despite in his, today's his culture foot. of, you know, that's right. And in, in, in today's culture of, um, you know, politically correct this and that, I'm not sure that we'd, um, we'd have the same chance to, to vicariously experience that joy along with Reginald should that issue happen today. But that's right. And this is, this is the big but, right? This is what I sort of need to say about this whole issue is that this is not actually about cricket at all and if if it was i would completely agree with your analysis right and i would be there 100 percent with you but i mean look this this whole issue is actually the actions of the australian deep state can you can you can you honestly say to me that it's a coincidence that merely a week after Dutton came out and gave this coded dog whistled signal to the the white farmers of South Africa that now we have this issue. Do you think that's a coincidence? No, I don't think so at all. I think you're onto something here. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like uh it's a signal. That's really what it is. It's a signal and I said I would come back to the colour yellow and mm-hmm. basically everyone knows that yellow as a uh, you know emotional signal conveys ambivalence and and sort of doubt and hesitation mm-hmm. and as soon as I saw this incident, I for one was furious that it it had interfered with the game itself, which was an absolute corker up till then that's right, but two, I was more furious with Peter Dutton because I instantly knew that while Steve Smith and David Warner have taken the fall for these um, crimes, and they've supposedly issued the order to, to Bancroft to, to carry out the action on the field, what's really happened is these orders have come from Peter Dutton's office. And he's sending a message to the far-right white supremacist movement to, right. to wait, to wait that's what his answer is. That's the That's yellow. That's right. That's right. And I put it to you, Brian, that if a green sandpaper had been used, we would be in a very different world right now. Yep. I totally agree. Completely. I think it's... And, um, oh, I'm sorry. Please, please go on. Well, look, what I want to say is that this is not a political show. As we all know, sports, sports are apolitical and... Even though, you know, sports are tribal, uh, obviously, but we're all united in in the love of the game itself. That's right. That's right. And what we've witnessed in this last week, and I think with um, the developments since, let's just say, Dutton's introduction to politics, what we've witnessed is a, um, a removal from the game itself. And I have to say, that's just not cricket. That's not cricket. No. And furthermore... 
I, I do not want politics in my sport. That's right. You know, po- politics are fine, but when you watch sport, you don't want to be thinking about that. You want to be thinking right. about the play. You want to be thinking about the skill, the passion, the determination, um, the drive to succeed. That's, right. that's what sport Absolutely. is. And that's what it means to all of us. It means, and- yeah, you can do that. You know, you can meet your KPIs for this week. That's what sport does for the for the working man of Australia and woman. That's right. That's right. You know? And I think that I think that when it comes to men's cricket, everyone is equal. And that's what I believe in. Everyone is equal when it comes to men's cricket. That's correct. And I want to say to Dutton, keep your filthy skull out of Australian cricket, okay? That's right. It's you may look a, like a cricket about ball. You. That doesn't mean you've got a place in the sport. You have no right to come into our game and use it to be sending these coded signals based on your wacko racial science, all right? Um, you know, everyone knows, you know, Peter Dutton, he's a, he's sort of a demented... What, what's his job? Home affairs? What what even is that? You know, he's, he's sort of a demented... Uh, and this is not a political podcast. I want to say that again, okay? But he has, he has encroached upon our sacred territory here and we need to get him the fuck out of it okay that's right he he is he's like the red skull you know the enemy from the first captain america movie except he's better at being a nazi and it makes sense that he's interested in phrenology and like all these weird racial sciences because he has the most incredible skull in australian politics and dutton just get the fuck out of cricket okay if that's you right. want to go send, right. you gonna you want to go send your messages to the, to the goddamn squadron eighty eights hanging out in South African backcountry, find some other, you know, avenue to do it in. Don't use our sport. That's all I that's have to right. say about it. That's right. So if you out there listening, if you have some comments to make about this issue, although with like I said or like Josh said. This isn't an, uh, uh, an episode about politics. This is an episode about sports. Still, this does involve the wonderful game of cricket. So, if you have something to say, please call us on the off hours and leave a message at 9367-1000-9367-1000 or message us at behindtheplayer at gmail.com. So, what's next, and Josh? I want to I clarify that um, this is not just an episode about sport. This is a podcast about sport. Uh, this is called Behind the Plow. Um, we're not usually going to dip into these sort of political issues, but I, I just felt like I had no choice, and I apologise to you, Brian, and I apologise to the listener. That's fine. There's a lot going on, and I can understand that there's a lot of emotions going on, so it's it's okay. We do have to let it out. Yep. Thank you. Uh, okay. What's uh, next? Uh, look, I've I've got to do the first ad read. Um, I don't know if, if you guys out there and girls know about this. It's not cheap to make a podcast and pay for bandwidth and all this kind of stuff, studio time. Um, you know, we are doing this across state lines. Uh, we have had to get some sponsors in, but um, they are sponsors that we we believe in. Now, our first sponsor, which I'll read the copy for, is called CoMute, C-O-Mute. Uh, have you heard about this service, Brian? Of course I have. There are sponsors. Yeah. Well, you know, just try to... Um, like, I'm just trying to conversationally... It doesn't matter. Look, 
I'll, I'll start, right? Commute is revolutionising um, public transport. So um, here's the copy, one second. Okay, Commute is disrupting the way we think about getting to work. It's so easy. You download the app, you sign up for a free two-week trial, and off you go. Um, now, I don't know about you, Brian, but I hate catching the bus, especially in Sydney. You know, you, you've sort of you've moved to a place which has um, better public transport. Um, at least that's what Sydney people say, because we all hate ourselves for living here. But I mean, is that true? Is is the Melbourne sort of transit system better? Yeah, absolutely. Gets me to the game on time, whichever game I want to go to. But the MCG is my favorite place at the moment. And it does absolutely get me to the MCG on time for every game. Right. Well, look, you know, you, you can still be more on time. I mean, no one's ever completely on time. And that goes for public transport, transit systems and all that. So uh, basically what happens with Comey is when you load it up and you sort out your two-week trial and put in your payment information and all that, you basically tell it where you need to go and the app shows you the nearest commute pickup point and you just wait at the pickup point and you'll be picked up by one of Comute's multi-destination ride-sharing long-form utility transport vehicles. Now on these vehicles you can use whatever existing transport payment systems you have in your city. If it's Opal or Mikey or GoCard, you know, even if um, they're still using cash where you are, you can use that as well. Um, so it's basically, you know, sort of disrupting the, um, the the standard way that we have of catching transport by, you know, do, using this app. Um, so commute subscription fees start off at an extremely affordable $9.99 per week for an a la carte week-to-week subscription. Or you can save with a 12-month subscription, which is only $420. Uh, disrupt your movement, save your routine with commute. Okay, we're back. Uh, how's your uh, how's your sound levels over there, Brian? Yeah, it's fine. Everything's still working. Okay, now the next issue that um, that we've got to deal with is a uh, report from the uh, Parliament in the UK on uh, doping in sport. Yeah, um, yeah, terrible. So let's let's get into that. You know, it's. Uh, it's basically saying that, um, you know, this issue of doping just runs much deeper than we could have ever imagined. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to get back into the politics side of things, but I think um, there might be a bit to look into there. Yeah, well, you know, as I said before, if if politics encroaches on sport, then we have no choice but to f- form a unified front and, and push it out. And this is That's right. how we're going to do and that. take so. back the sports. That's right. Uh, so, um, what's happening in the UK with the doping? With doping, pardon me, pardon me. What's happening in the UK with doping? Well, basically, you've got, um, you know, this guy, Sir Bradley Wiggins, right? I mean, you know who he is, but you know, absolutely, he's one of the best. So, he he's got some fairly intense respiratory issue, which he mm-hmm. says he has to take steroids for, and that sort of started the whole thing off. But you can go all the way back to Lord Carrington Smythe in the 50s, who right. pretty much had the same issue. Um, yeah. He died recently, and you know it's a big loss to sport overall. But he was Absolutely. he was hounded. He was dogged by rumours of performance-enhancing drugs his whole life. Mm-hmm. 
And to me, it seems like the biggest impact that it's having on the sport is that, you know, it's, it's having to be hidden. That's, that's the biggest issue for me is that it's having to be athletes, hidden. Yeah. They, they have, they feel like they have to hide the fact that they're mm-hmm. taking performance enhancing drugs. Now, mm-hmm. if you look at sport in general, what are we really asking these athletes to do? You know, we're asking, we're, we're asking them, them to, to push their bodies to the limits. Exactly. We're asking them to sacrifice, you know, they're, you know, there's a there's a straight line from the uh, the Mayans, you know, who fought their blood games, and then, you know, the the winners got to have their hearts carved out and offered to the sun god. That's right. Um, you know, there's a direct line from there to to the sports of today. That's absolutely true. And I mean, we're not asking anybody to uh, to cut out their hearts as a sacrifice to the gods, but um, we're 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 just asking to play the game, and that needs to be recognized. That's right. Absolutely right. And you know what? Uh, all, all I'm saying is we need a way to integrate these extreme performance athletes into the game side by side. So what I'm proposing is that especially for cycling, you know, you have the Tour de France and you step up the testing for the Tour de France. The Tour de France is an endurance event. Exactly. And, you know, you're already you're already looking at superhuman exertion, but it can be done um, clean, cleanly, as as it were. Um, so what we need to do is rigorously enforce the drug testing for that event, but we need a new event that is only for um, doping athletes. Well, to be honest, Josh, I'm I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit here. I think that in general, in sports. Um, I think that I don't see a problem with performance-enhancing drugs. Just as um, my my friend is a musician, <clears throat> and he plays music, and he plays music with an electric guitar. And I think drugs are exactly like using an electric guitar. I mean, without the electricity, that musician couldn't possibly do what he's doing. But you don't discredit the musician because he's using electricity, just as we shouldn't be discrediting the athlete for using performance-enhancing drugs. You know, if um, if uh, an athlete wins, um, let's see, wins a marathon using performance-enhancing drugs, he still used his legs. He still used his lungs. He still ran the race. Those drugs, those drugs are only helping him survive, but it's still his work. Look, uh, I, I, I'm not actually disagreeing with you there, but I'm saying like music, you know, in music, for example, um, you don't have electric guitars and acoustic instruments together. You know, they're separated for, for a reason. You, you will, if you go to see a live music performance, it's either electric or it's acoustic. And that's what I'm saying we should do. We shouldn't... Because what we're doing in sports now, the equivalent is electricity is banned from sports, and and everyone's on the, you know, doing the Jack Johnsons and all that, right? And yeah, and that's yeah. fine. And Jack Johnson is is perfectly fine, and I respect him as a musician and an athlete. But everybody is doing this one thing, and if anyone tries to like sneak an electric guitar into the venue, it's you know getting the shit kicked out of you in the alley by security or whatever. 
And I'm saying, let's bring the electric, you know, the electric instruments in. Let's have the keyboards and let's have the guitars, but separate to the acoustic, a different venue, different venue. Right. So you're just suggesting a whole new world of sports. Well, I'm saying for, for every sport that is plagued by doping, and there's a lot of them out there. As far as I know, most of them, including curling, let's introduce, which is surprising. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure um, you can remember back to university days. There were certain things you could take that would help you, you know, you know clean up the house before the parents got home and all that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the primary action of curling is, is, is not not dissimilar to cleaning your house, which that's is what right. makes it one of the more relatable sports, in my opinion. That's right. That's right. But yeah, which, I'm, all I'm is, saying is... Which is why there are a lot of women in curling. Yes. Yes, that's right. And, and, and that's right, as far as I'm concerned. But look, let's, let's get back to this, uh, this doping thing. I mean, <clears throat> pardon me. I don't know if you remember, but about 23 years ago in curling, um, I don't know if you remember, but Stevie Kangret uh, was caught. Oh, the, the great man. That's right. It was caught um, using enhancing performance drugs. But they, he claimed, were part of his, um, his medicine because he had the flu. And when we looked back at, um, at the tests, it was found that uh, the drugs itself shouldn't have played a part in his performance. But still, he was penalized. So what's to say that somebody shouldn't be able to have some performance-enhancing drugs within the world of clean sports. What do you think, Josh? Mm. But are they still clean? I mean, you know, you can look to more recent times with um, big bad Craigie Furlong over uh, in the AFL in, in your half of Australia, mate. You know, he, he's going through a similar issue right now where, you know, the, the whole horny goatweed scandal. I mean, we can all remember That's when right. That's right. Sydney was, was covered in these uh, posters for this, um, you know, pleasure-enhancing uh, sort That's of right. stimulant. That's right. And it was seen was as legal at actually, the time. Well, you know, it was found to have zero um, impact on the bedroom. But, um, you know, su- surprisingly, f- for certain events, um, you know, the hammer throw uh, in the Olympics, um, you know, free climbing... And of course, AFL with the um, the elbow. That's right. Uh, That's right. Which it was for which Furlong was, was a huge impact. For which Furlong was was um, was regarded as uh, as well. As big a bad, in that you case. know, big bad. That's right. That's 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 how he got the name. You know. That's right. And uh, as it turns out, this um, this elbow of his is it's all it's all about the horny goat weed, and that's that's where it came from. Yeah. And right. What I'm suggesting to you is, um, you know, instead of saying it's completely forbidden and, and pushing it underground, and instead of saying let's allow it, you know, under these conditions and therefore creating pressure on all the athletes who might not want to be taking horny goat weed all the time to, to start, you know, smashing it down, I'm saying let's create side-by-side horny goat weed league. Okay, that's my idea. I see. I see that that's not a bad idea, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. If you have, um, if you're listening to this podcast and you have some thoughts on the matter, 
please feel free to call in to 9367 and leave a message or email us once again at behindtheplayer at gmail.com. Okay, uh, is it time for the, uh, the second ad read? Uh, yep. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, we have another ad to bring to you. Once again, Josh, as he explained earlier, um, was saying that uh, without the help of sponsors, we wouldn't be able to create this wonderful podcast in respect of all sports. So here goes. This show is brought to you by the fine people at Wetgate Insurance. If you've got a problem, they will solve it. Go to wetgate.org.asm. Fantastic. Now, let's um, let's move on to the uh, <clears throat> uh, a section that I'm hoping will become a regular one, mm-hmm. uh, which is where we point out a um, a particular person who's writing in the um, you know in the mainstream press who we believe to be a total hack, and you know uh, the the person I want to single out for this week is um you know Dermot Goodwin writing in the uh in the Daily Telegraph. Mm-hmm. Uh now he's he's written an article this week uh about how um you know the crows can can make a comeback from their uh stunning two thousand and sixteen uh you know all time team low. Mm-hmm. And I just it's just a perfect example of how this kind of thing is just so wrong headed. You know, he's mm-hmm. just taken the the complete wrong approach from the beginning, and um, you know that uh, he he's saying that the team went wrong in getting rid of um, Joey Wright. That's right. You know, I mean, how straight away, you know, he had to go. It was it was so obvious that there was no future in it, as long as Joey Wright was still there. You know, stinking up the place with his aggressive plays. I mean, he was a completely egotistical player and yeah i mean look he he um he has his reasons if you look at people like ty domi in hockey in toronto i mean joey wright has his reasons for being that kind of a player and i think they do play an important part on the other hand i think you're right i think he kind of takes it overboard i mean what you know is is there room for ego in sport i mean look i'm not going to apologize for for drilling straight into the big questions here because mm-hmm. that's what it's about here behind and the And that's what this show's we're, about. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, what do you think? I mean, are we, do we allow this behavior to continue? I think it, um, it really depends on what's happening. If, it's, if the attitude is detrimental to the game, I think that we need to have a look at that and maybe um, penalize some players. In some way, I think that... Um, Perhaps they shouldn't be allowed as much game time. And Joey Wright is, I agree with you, I think he's a bit too aggressive with his uh, with his ego, and it does get in the way of the game. I think that um, as he was playing with Gil Quincy, I think Gil Quincy, pardon me, a fantastic player, an honorable player, and somebody who actually plays the game properly. And I think that uh, mm. Joey Wright was getting in his way, I think, the last two games. And um, I think it's a shame to see that happening. So how, how do we approach this issue and how do we, um, 
how do we make it so that Gil can play his uh, his part properly? I think we I think we need to reward players like Gil and um, Dunce McVerney is another one. You know, these right. guys are the are the they're the future of the sport. Uh, you know, they're they're showing a good attitude to the kids. Um, you know, and the the thing is, if they get in early and build this kind of um, you know fair play goodwill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that can help them overcome problems down the track, you know, especially when there are marital issues, and you know, in in the case of um, some of the best players of recent times, you see them dragged up in the court for various reasons, and there's, you know, there's alimony and all this kind of stuff, um, you know, charges being laid. The the Australian public is a mercurial beast, and I think we're ready to forgive. But only if there's that initial identification, you know. If you're if you come into the game with a with an open heart, I think um, Australia will reward you the same way. I I couldn't agree more, and I think that's that's how you play. That's um, that's straight out of the toaster. It's beautiful, cooked, cooked to perfection, mate. I mean, that's the kind of uh, analysis that you're going to get. Here on uh, behind the player. So uh, let's get back. I think we got detracted. You were speaking about Dermot Goodwin. Yeah. Well, look. All, all I want to say to to Dermot, and and feel free to jump in here with any insults, because I know you're familiar with the man's work, and mm-hmm. you're as um, little as a fan as I am. But I'm basically saying, behind the player is here to take you down, Dermot Goodwin. That's right. We are here. We've arrived. We're here to take you and all the hacks that are like you out to the shed and give you a right talking to. That's right. That's right. And put you back in the fly. That's right. And and we're, you know, we're we're onto you. We're onto all your shit. We see you there, you know, in, up in your lofty perch. But you don't actually. When's the last time that you actually went to the common man and found out, you know? Not, nothing that you write would pass the pub test. That's absolutely right. It's almost sometimes as though he's, he's not actually watching the same game that the rest of us are. It's, it's, really, I mean, it's really disheartening, to be honest, when, um, when you read these things and, and you say, why, why would you ever think that? Are you, are you not paying attention to the hard work that the players are putting, putting into the game? You know, he's, he's flubbing the stats. You know, he's, uh, he's, yeah. Uh, yeah. his columns are full of gaffes. He's, right. he's in there, you know, sort of misquoting, um, you know, there's, there's the issue with uh, Lance Coast last week, who, you know, so he just basically came out and said, you know, this guy, Dermot Goodwin's a, a bloody idiot. And when's the last time you heard a, you know, a sort of behind the scenes figure in Australian sport writing off a journalist like that? I think yeah, it's... that's right, you know, I mean, that's right. And these are the people that the sports, that the players should be respecting given the given their position and it's just i think i think lance was right in calling him out and i think that you know what we're doing right now calling him out is absolutely right people like this need to be uh, corrected if they're to Elim- eliminate wonderful world of sports eliminated eliminated <laughs> sure you know i mean just just kidding that's you know i, I know <laughs> I know, pe- I know people get passionate about sport, and I don't want any listeners to um, take to take it too far. Hands, that's right. We do but, have our but humor Dermot, here at Behind the Player. Dermot, consider yourself owned. 
Um, you've been uh, sent to the outhouse on this one. Red card. That's right. Um, offside, foul, unsporting, garbage writing, bad journalism, stupid ideas, flawed ideology, poor quality arguments. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, now I'd like to take it, uh, if you don't mind, Josh, to another segment in the show, just to wrap it up. Uh, we have, hopefully, every week, we're going to pay tribute to a wonderful player through the years of, uh, of sports. And this week, I would like to focus on the ever-amazing John Michael Walters. Uh, for anybody who doesn't oh. know John Michael Walters, he is a phenomenal player, was, pardon me, a phenomenal player. And um, let me just go through some of these some of these details. So, born in 1947 in Wachagata, Michigan, he started playing at the age of six. Would you believe it? Um, he was pro by the age of 17, which is phenomenal for somebody who um, who was a hurling champion. He uh, had the highest number of passes for any player. Um, when he started off, and that's until 1985 when flat pickers beat him by nine. He also had the lowest number mm. of penalties by any player under the age of 28. At 29, he quit the sport and became, of all things, a shoe salesman because his passion, as he claims, was in feet. And, of course, that's going to make sense for anybody who understands hurling. He now lives in Dublin and is retired. So here's to you, John Michael Walters, for a lifetime of achievement. That's a uh, beautiful tribute there, Brian. Uh, thank you for that. I'll um, I'll never forget seeing some uh, some replays of some of his greatest achievements. Uh, you know, growing up, and um, you know that's just the kind of thing that we do here on Behind the Player. We like to reward those who have enriched our childhoods absolutely i mean i i watched a lot of the reruns i mean i was a bit i wasn't even born when he was playing but i've seen so many games replayed on on television that my dad showed me and he was absolutely phenomenal like a gazelle on the field i remember mm. him being interviewed with uh, by mike boswell on uh, tsn and it was wonderful watching him speak and, and to hear this this eloquent man knowing how good he was at the sport, but how respectful he was towards the sport and towards his players as well. And Boswell couldn't believe it. He was he was flabbergasted by this um, by this absolute legend of a player. And I think they knew at the time how important he would be to the sport. Now I've heard that. Um just to, to stay on the subject a minute and not to dredge up any ghosts from the past, but I, I, I did read a little bit about that, that he was forced out of hurling. Have you read anything about this? Well, I think it might, it might have to do with, um, with the fact that he had all of a sudden at the age of 28 accumulated all these penalties, and I think that he was disappointing his... Um, his fellow Michigan Michiganites, Michiganers, I'm not too sure, but it was disappointing the people of Michigan. And I think that he felt a lot of pressure, not only from the audience and from the from the crowd, but also from his teammates and from his coach. And I think he felt he had no choice but to leave. But I'm, I'm not absolutely sure about this. What do you think, Josh? Well, look, where this is coming from, because you won't find this online, it's just that I... Uh... 
I remember having a conversation when I was in Ireland, actually, the guy who claimed to be um, the the sister of the cousin of the of the great man, um, who was saying that that just privately, he'd been told that uh, you know the the main hurling rival at the time, which was Jan Hurty, had um, put some butter uh, in a inappropriate spot. Now, as we all know about. Hurling, that's the, I suppose, the number one no-no. It's the number one dirty tactic between players is to, um, you know, they call it butter in the taint. I don't want to be crude, um, but the the, the basic uh, import of it is that it, it does throw you off your game quite a great deal. Absolutely, absolutely. And furthermore, it's so... It's it's quite a um, emasculating move, and you know, but you know how it was back then that people didn't want to talk about this stuff, and That's right. it's it's just so tragic that for the great man it was easier for him to leave the sport than it was to front up to the press and say, "Look, I've had butter in my taint." That's right, and it's and it's extremely disappointing in terms of Jan Herding, who previously was a brilliant player. And had the respect of all of his fellow teammates and opponents as well. And it's a shame because I feel like he had that one penciled in and he totally missed it. Totally missed it. Well, let's let's just keep in mind here that this is um, seventh-hand information. So it's not, it's not something that um, is on record and that can be proven. But I'm saying if it is true, shame on you, Jan Hurty. And if it's not, um, all the best. I think uh, let's put a call out to the audience. If uh, any of you have some information on this, uh, please feel free once again to call us and leave a message at 02-9367-1000 or email at behindtheplayer at gmail.com. And you can also uh, you can talk to us on Twitter. We will be uh, answering some questions on Twitter if you guys have any. You can reach me at Josh Ahern, A-H-E-A-R-N, and you, Brian. You can reach me at brian.compo, C-A-M for Michael, P for Patrick, E-A-U. Fantastic. Well, that about uh, wraps it up for this week. Thanks very much uh, for tuning in to the first episode of Behind the Player. Uh, We had a great time. I think we got to the bottom of uh, a few pressing issues. Absolutely. I also want to take a moment to thank once again our sponsors, Commute, and the fine people at Wetgate Insurance. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you later.